Hello and welcome back to How Did You Do It? In this episode, I interview Russ, who is the creator of Bang and Sangers. If you don't know what Bang and Sangers is, Russ goes all around Melbourne trying the best sandwiches so that you guys don't have to. You can get the rating straight to your feed. In this episode, we discuss a realm of topics from mental health to addiction to dating and breakups. Of course, we learn about Russ's journey with Bang and Singers. I really hope that you enjoy and I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Welcome to How Did You Do It? <laughs> it's not often that you get someone who does something like you do who's so authentic as well. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, like you're not afraid to just be like, this is me, this is what I'm doing. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm harmlessly, I'm who I am. Yeah. So. And it's it's rare. Yeah. Not everyone's like that. Yeah. Not everyone accepts it either. <laughs> well, I guess that's, you kind of would have to be okay with people not accepting yeah, it. Yeah, and I am, but it's... So when people are close to you don't accept it is when it hurts the most. But that's hard. Anyway, that's top for another day. <laughs> Banging singers. Yes. How did that come to life? Um, well, it initially started as a bit of fun, as everything does really. You get an idea and you just roll with it. Um, a friend of mine, we were kind of just connecting through a friendship circle. We didn't really know each other that well. And we decided that we were going to start hanging out and what what we loved most and hanging out around was eating sandwiches. And I remember we went and got a sandwich together. We were just like scoffing it and started talking about it, all that sort of stuff. And um, we said, next time we should film it. So we did. And then we were kind of like going back and forward with the name. And I wanted something like really cool. Like I really overthink about everything. Um, probably one of my worst traits. And I was like wanting this cool, clean name. And we both, we're both English. And he was just like, why don't we just call it Banging Sangers? And I was just like, but people won't really understand it because it's more like an English term. Like those are English sayings. And it's like, no, no, it's fine. It's perfect. So we've done it. And that's where the name come from. And then progressively, as we went through the process of filming and kind of like finding my style of editing, um, he wanted... He was a photographer, like a very, very good one as well. He's like a really well-known one in, in Melbourne. And he's super busy all the time. And he, he, he was saying, he was, I have big, I dream big. I always look at the end goal and think, this is where it's going to be. So how do we get there? Mm. And I think I think he's maybe a bit of an avoidant attachment style because uh, he was like, whoa, whoa, this is a lot. This is a lot. I don't think I can commit to that sort of thing. This is too much commitment. And I was like, all you have to do is take photos. Uh, and, and post every so often. That's all you have to do. But if you don't want to do that, that's that's fine. And I'm very dismissive in that sense. Like, if you don't want to put the effort in, just go away. Like, mm. there's no point in, like, stringing it along. Um, So I logged him out of the, the page and stuff. And then I started kind of really making it my own and editing it the way I wanted to do it, using the music I wanted to do it. And then kind of just finding my niche as well at the same mm. time. It was like a... Although I loved eating sandwiches, I think I love making the content more and making people laugh and keeping it engaging. That, that's that's the, the whole goal of it is to bring a bit of value to people's lives, really. So that's in a nutshell. It bang, makes sense. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you first started it with that person, that person's no longer there. Are you now doing it and running it solo? Yeah, it's all, all myself. Yeah. So... I get guests on because like some days like so I I do have a bit of anxiety when I do the show the, the show um, the the it episodes kind of because yeah. some days I wake up and I think everybody will will feel this some days I wake up and they just don't have a lot to give and seeing the last twelve months it's been like quite difficult to motivate myself and get that energy back and the best way that I find I do that is I have someone that I trust to come along with me so i'll always have some like reoccurring guests that come along and they're like my extras but they're also my like my support system as well because i know as soon as someone's there boom camera's on i can do what i need to do but when i'm on my own it takes me a little bit of time to to get warmed up and that's why i probably shouldn't do it but i usually have like a couple of beers just to kind of get me loose <laughs> um, i like 
that. So, uh, what so, yeah, time so, in the so, morning is yeah. that? <laughs> so it's just um, or a couple of coffees, maybe like three coffees <laughs> at this point. But um, yeah, it's it's just myself. Like the the branding and the logo was actually done by my friend mm. who who kind of walked away from the the, the, the set uh, the setup. But everything else is done by me. I edit all the videos. I do all the pictures. I um, do all the posting things like that. Um, and I was I was quite against going on on TikTok and posting a lot on TikTok, but that's the that's my biggest platform now. So mm-hmm. it's, and it's continually growing every week. So it's now I have to kind of make specific TikTok, uh, TikToks just for that mm-hmm. to add more content because you have to keep posting on there as well. So yes, to ask a question, it's just me. <laughs> why why were you um, resistant to TikTok? Um, I think it's just because. It's kind of new age, isn't it? It's like very Gen Z sort mm. of thing. Um, and I've always been an Instagram guy. I've always loved scrolling through my phone. But I find now I don't really do it. I don't really mm. go on my phone and scroll mindlessly through Instagram. I'm doing it through TikTok. Mm. But I find that TikTok is, it adds a lot more value than what Instagram does. Mm. I feel like Instagram is just full of people that want to put up a bit of a facade of mm. how great their life is when I know these people are absolutely crumbling behind the scenes. So it's that's what I see Instagram is, is a bit of a mask. Mm. Whereas I feel TikTok is a very authentic view on if it's someone like myself, a person of how they are and what they want to achieve. And it's a very vulnerable place as well. People mm. like to share a lot on there too. And I just think it's just a better format. It's short, engaging videos, funny it could be educational. For me, it's been really educational. Like I've, yeah. I've learned so much about my ADHD and I've learned so much about myself just from watching someone else's story. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, a, that's why I like TikTok. Or, well, why I was resistant, just because I, I, it was new, I yeah. guess. Yeah. People I, don't like change. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I actually relate to that. I do think TikTok is very educational. I've mm. learned a lot through it. And also been introduced to like new places through it, and it just it, the algorithm knows. I swear, like, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, like the when I started Instagram, I didn't have any sort of expectation to grow massive. I knew it was going to be difficult because that time where you could get fifty thousand followers within a week has gone. Like, it, yeah, you'd be lucky to get five or ten throughout the week now. But with TikTok, you have one decent video, you grow like two k mm. from just one video. Mm. So it's in terms of growth and kind of growing my profile, I know TikTok's going to probably be the best for me. Mm. But then again, I, I I sometimes lose myself in that sort of, oh, I've got new followers, I've got all these likes and so da, 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 da. But mm. you kind of got to bring yourself back down to earth and understand why you do it. And it's nothing to do with that. It's about mm. providing some value and, and, and it's more or less having fun. Like yeah. I do it because it's fun. For sure. And the moment it stops being fun is when I stop doing it, really. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask before, um, when you're having a harder day and you have to sort of get yourself on yeah. to film, are there ever days where you're like, I'm, I'm just not doing it today? Yeah, so this weekend I'm not touching oh, okay. the camera. I yeah. just, I, I'm not in a good state of mind at the moment to yeah. really pretend that um, everything's fine. Like Sometimes I can, but you can tell in those episodes that I'm really mm. trying to put it on. Because mm. um, I'm letting the guest talk a bit more than what I usually should. I mm. let someone else carry the conversation. But there's mm. when I'm on, can't shut me up. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, like this this weekend, I probably won't touch it for a while. Mm. Um, not until I kind of get some clarity about my situation, really. Yeah. 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 What is your vision for being in singers? <sighs> Love this question. Um, so I, since I was a child. I have been obsessed with sandwiches and people might think that's strange, but I have. It just, I asked my mum, I've always been obsessed with them. Um, that and cereal, weirdly. Um, but You're like part two coming. Yeah, part two. <laughs> part two coming soon. Um, but I, as I as I kind of grew up, I was, a, I was a very beige kid, beige diet, had a very poor relationship with food. Um, but I'd always loved having a sandwich. And when I got to about 16, 17, I was like, do you know what? I wouldn't mind having a food van and like just selling, slinging out sandwiches out the back of that. That'd be fun. So I had this like fantasy since I was 16 that I'd have some form of food business, but what that would be, I didn't know. Um, and then I started something called Cooking <laughs> Cooking with Ross, which was 
Please. So dumb. Tell me there are videos. They're, not anymore. I deleted them because I was so embarrassed. In the archive? Yeah. Anywhere? Nowhere. They're all gone. And the reason why that is, is they. Um, I worked in London and they found them, my, <laughs> my business. There was like 200 people in the office. They shared it around the office. Oh, no. I got bullied for like two weeks straight. So are you I, serious? So I just deleted them. Like oh. they, it's like... It's not considered bullying. Yeah, but it but felt like, like bullying. Yeah, I, I just sure. couldn't. I couldn't handle the the, yeah. the abuse. Um, <laughs> so I did something called cooking with Ross, which was it was not about the food. It was about the comedy sketches and the silliness in between. It was just really dumb um, early twenties behaviour, like mm. just very immature boy sort of stuff. Um, and that started on Snapchat, grew that platform, went and took it to Facebook, and then Facebook started growing. Paid for a couple of ads. My following grew massively. I was getting like half half a mil views on some videos. So that's where kind of banging standings, I guess, was birthed. Um, but something happened later on, later on down the line with that where I just fell out of love with it, stopped doing it completely, which I wish I didn't because I know it would have been massive because I would have kind of grown it into something that banging standings would be now. Um, so then... I think maybe nearly 10 years passed from then and I'd always had it in my mind that I was going to do something similar but I just didn't know what and what my niche was going to be. Obviously came to to Melbourne, started a life that I've always kind of wanted, I guess, meeting friends that I've wanted and there's this massive sandwich culture growing and brewing in Australia at the moment. I think burgers were the main thing for a long time but I think it's now the sandwiches time. And I've watched so many like food review places and and loads of different other personalities do this side of stuff, but no one actually kind of dedicates their time to one specific thing. Mm. Um, and I'm seeing more of that happen now. Like there's people who do steaks and palmers and, and stuff like that and mm. pizzas, but I'd never seen someone do a sandwich. I thought, right, that's what I'm going to do. Because mm. I was waiting for that light bulb moment of what's my niche going to be. Because mm. I tried the whole fitness influencer thing as well. That didn't work. Gave myself an eating disorder, so that was, <laughs> that was not fun. Um, but I'd always wanted to get back into a social media sort of thing because I'd, I love being on the camera. I love editing videos. I love mm. creating content. Like That's something that I'm really interested in. And I can zone out for like eight hours and just mm. edit for mm. hours, and I really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of... I'd never really seen the value in, in what it could provide to to me personally as like kind of personal growth and mm. opportunities. But I'm, it's still kind of very early days, but I'm starting to see now that it could, it could be a job eventually. Yeah, and I'd love, I'd love nothing more than that, Yeah, but I don't think it would uh, be a visa option. So for the, for the time being, we've got to yeah. try and yeah. It's just yeah. a hobby at the moment. Until yeah. I can make it a job job, then, yeah, it's mm. it's just a just a weekend thing. Um, I saw – it was funny because when I heard about it, I was sitting at the desk and someone was like, oh, check out Ross's page or you were there or someone was there and I was mm. like, oh, yeah. And then I thought to myself, oh, I wonder if you get hate. And then that day you had posted like this comment that someone had put up and you were just like making fun of it. And I yeah. was like, oh, you're so strong. Like I feel like if I saw a comment like that, I'd just – want to crumble and my so my question is <laughs> how do you deal with the hate um look there are days where someone will catch uh, look and i've always said this it depends on how the person is on the day who receives the feedback um i've had friends who have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time and they'll get some feedback and it'll just set them off and i think it really depends on how your mental state is at that time because if you're arguing with someone in the comments that's effectively what they want you to do. But if you do it in a way that is kind of like quite fun and cheeky, you can kind of turn it into something positive. But I got a really kind of mixed reviews from that that sort of argument with that person, mainly from the chefs being quite negative. And on the other side, I had people kind of like goading me to kind of get involved in this massive sort of argument. But then someone close to me said, this is really bothering you, isn't it? I was like, does it does it seem like that? And she was like, yeah, it really does. I was like, oh, well, it's, it doesn't at all. I'm just kind of like leaning into the fact that it's getting some good engagement and it, it's funny. She's like, yeah, but you're kind of making yourself look a bit of a dick. I was like, oh. And that's what really concerned me is that someone who, who I, I really loved and respected was telling me I looked like an idiot. 
And that's the type of feedback that hurts me the most is when the people close to me say stuff like that. I couldn't care less what anyone else thinks of me. But mm-hmm. if I if I put my trust and love into someone and they start saying those things about me, then that's when it would be difficult for me to accept. Mm-hmm. If it's old Tom off the street, couldn't care less, to be honest. <laughs> how, how do you honour your mental health? It's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. I've... I've I think the last 12 months have been probably the most difficult, one of the most difficult that I've had. Uh, Probably there's only one that trumps that, and that was when I lived in the UK. Um, But the last 12 months have really challenged me. Mm. I think there was a period where it nearly defeated me. Um, And I think... I think if if, if you don't kind of put certain practices in place to get through that, it will defeat you. And it will make you do things that are going to hurt other people, mm. unfortunately. And I, I, to kind of give you a bit of context, I got a really bad neck injury about eight, eight or nine months ago for bulging discs in my neck. And it completely made me like a vegetable. Um, I could still walk and, and go to work, but I was in pain 24-7. I, I couldn't sleep at all. I, was, I hadn't slept for about six months um, until I started seeing a doctor about it. Um, I couldn't train. I couldn't do anything that would bring me joy apart from banging sangers. Like that was the only thing that was getting me through. And my ex at the time or partner at the time, she stayed with me, even though I could tell she didn't want to be there. Um, those are the two things that kind of kept me sane, I guess. But the way I usually regulate my mental health is by, I, I get the most from movement and doing things that challenge your nervous system and regulate it. So like breath work and ice baths and the kind of woo-woo stuff. But for me, that really works. It really helps me kind of ground myself and think about things from the perspective I wanted to think about instead of letting the, the voices kind of take control, which they have been in the last eight months. And I've pushed a lot of people away because of that. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. I also have gone through two years of absolute hell and mm. ice baths were like literally the thing that, that brought me back to life. Yeah. And I, I just think if you can get in the ice bath at the start of the day and you can feel your body fight that and you can breathe through that yeah. and you can get yourself through that pain of of the cold, yeah. then anything else in the day is doable. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. I, I think... When I, before I, um, I think it was just after, I don't know, it was like mid-COVID really. And that's when I kind of discovered the whole cold dipping and ice bath stuff because I'd gone through a breakup with a very toxic ex, physically abusive ex. And I wanted to change my mindset because I was depressed through lockdown like most people were. And I wanted to change that and wanted to really restart my life in the right way. Um, so I threw myself into the gym. I built a gym in my garden. I moved to Elwood to be close to the water. And then I started finding stuff on TikTok about cold dipping. So I was dipping in the water. I was running every day. I was journaling every day. I was really doing the things that I was uh, you're meant to do to kind of push your life in a positive way. And I felt great. And then six months has passed and things started to happen to me that I'd always wanted like a person came to my, my life that I'd always wanted um work was going really well for me um just everything was going well because I was good up here I was mm. I was I felt clear and I felt like the right things were happening and then as soon as I got injured it just all went away and it all just started crumbling around me mm. and I didn't understand how to get through that mm. it was really like I'm still having the effects of it now. Of course. And I just can't seem to shake this feeling or push myself to do the things that I know will help me get through that. Because I know if I start jumping in the sea every day, journaling every day and doing all the things that I was doing before, I guarantee you within two, three weeks, I'll be back to my normal self. But because I'm going through a, a breakup and a tough time at work and I'm still having some 
not, I guess, depressive issues, but some problems with my mental health. I can't seem to shake that feeling sorry for yourself sort of thing. Mm. Um, I'll use all my energy to do my job during the day and I'll get home and I'm just exhausted. But then I don't sleep mm. and then I have to start that cycle all over again. So I think my, my nervous system is just all over the place at the moment. And the moment, once I kind of get a handle on that, I'll, mm. I'll be back to normal. It's just right now I'm very emotional, of very uh, all over the place. I think though it shows that that's so normal to mm. have, like you can learn, and I can speak to this personally, you can learn what helps and push it away mm. because sometimes... My experience this year was that I was really unhappy at the start of the year mm. and everything that was my support system went away. Like everyone close to me that I relied on as my like group mm. moved overseas, interstate, they were gone. Yeah. And then I found a few other things that helped and then they all went away. Mm. They went overseas again, two, three people. And I was like, every time I pick myself back up and find support, I just get like crushed back into like yeah. facing myself. And like, I, it's myself that has to go through this, face this and pick myself back up. And, you know, even over the past, there was before current work, a job that I, that I got into and within like a very short period of time, that job became redundant. Mm. And so again, like I was just, I just was like, I don't know how to pick myself up. Mm. And I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to do the ocean dips. I knew mm. I needed to meditate and I just didn't want to. And yeah. like, I think there's a whole part of my belief system of what I believed I deserved. And once I understood that I was telling myself I didn't deserve happiness or I didn't deserve to feel better, I understood that that's what was keeping me chained to that cycle of yeah. the negative thoughts and I think it's work that people go through and it's such hard work and understanding the belief system is so important into breaking those cycles mm. yeah I agree I think um I think once I've got some clarity after next week about everything else that's going on I think I can really just put a lot of effort into myself because I think right now you're kind of holding on to that hope a little bit that things might change. Mm. It's not. So now I'm kind of coming to terms that with I've got to kind of think about myself and move on with my own life, really. So I think once that happens, I'll have like a light bulb moment where I'll just throw everything into making myself feel better and focusing mm. on my uh, own well-being, really. Mm. Yeah. How do your male friends support you? And the reason I ask this is because I love speaking to males about what masculinity is, how they find support, because yeah. I think that a lot of the time society tell males to kind of suck it up, move on, like mm. head up, and it's just not realistic. Yeah. Um, look, I've got a very small circle of male friends. I've, I find it I've, – I've come from a family of, of – two uh, siblings who are girls um so i've always got along with females better I just i don't know why just i always have and my dad was quite a feminine guy as well and so my house was just full of girls really so i grew <laughs> up i grew up in this being this flamboyant feminine child and everyone assumed that i was going to be gay that wasn't the case you're like can confirm sorry guys um, <laughs> <laughs> but um I've always been quite open um, with girls, more so. Uh, and I feel like that I can overshare with girls. So, But I'm very particular about male friends just because I've had quite a difficult time making them. Um, and that just stems from growing up. Like I've always had like close friends, but I've always wanted to have like a real close group of friends who invite me out to everything and treat me like one of the boys and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I kind of realised very early I was never going to be that in my friendship group. So I was always kind of like the the bar of the jokes. And I didn't help myself because I was I used to kind of lie about stuff to make myself seem cool. Um, but to answer your question about how my friends support me and stuff like that, I've got maybe like two or three close male friends who 
are probably the best friends that I've ever encountered because they talk to me every day. They they put the effort in, I guess. And that's what I really value in a person is if they put the effort into me. Because if I, if I put my 100% effort and love into you, I do expect it back. And I don't think that's bad to feel that way. I don't think if, if anyone says, oh, well, you shouldn't do it to, to receive it. Well, you should because you're giving a part of yourself to someone and they should give it back to you. Because if someone repeatedly would say no to me or reject me, I'm not going to give my time to them. So these guys will really get around me and help me um, obviously do the normal male stuff and take you out on nights out to make yourself feel better. But these guys are very health orientated, dipping in the water, um, very sort of journaling therapy related as well. So these are the types of people that I want to be around. And I, I tend to separate myself from people who just do drugs all the time and drink all the time. Like obviously I still have those friends where I will unfortunately partake in that. And that's just a moment of weakness for me. But again, it's, it's uh, because of the circumstance I've put myself in that situation. If I didn't, it wouldn't happen. Mm. So you, you do become your circle, mm. whoever you choose to hang around with, you become those people. Mm. And I think you've got to be really careful about who you spend your time with the most because effectively you become that person. Mm. Um, it's just like when you get in a relationship, the partners start to take on become each other's one. traits and become yeah. each other. Mm. It's the same with friendship groups. If mm. you hang around with drug users and drinkers, unfortunately you're going to be that person. Mm. If you hang around with people who prioritise mindset and health and gym and all that sort of stuff, you're mm. going to become that person as well. Mm. So yeah, my friends put me on the straight and narrow, but then I also have some friends that don't. So it's a bit of an angel and devil on the shoulder moment, really. <laughs> I have the same. I noticed how hard I'd have to work to bring myself back to just feeling okay. Yeah. Like even with the ocean dips and the ice, like if I went and I partied, I would just have to do double the work mm. to get myself back to like a state of being able to, to handle everything. Yeah. And so I had to also go through this like moment of like, okay, I have friends that don't go out and party and they make me feel really good and it's very wholesome and they're supportive and they show up. They show mm. up in the same way that I show up to them. But that also means that there will be quiet Saturday nights and it's like just understanding which Saturday nights I say yes to and what the consequence will mm. be or how I will handle that party situation yeah. versus like just being okay with going on a different path and knowing that the right people will show up. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you become the same cycle as what they're doing. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, um, and it's, this is so relevant to right now for me, because I want to be exactly who I was um, just when COVID ended. I felt in the best shape of my life. I felt so clear in my head. And I just felt that was the human being that I'd always wanted to be. And... When you surround yourself with the wrong people, there's no chance it's happening, unfortunately. As much as you like to be like, it was what people call it, woo-woo girls or woo-woo boys or anything like that. People make me laugh when they are, who who prioritise that, but they're still on the bags every weekend and they're mm. still drinking every weekend. But it's fine because on Monday I'm going to do a, a good dip and I'm going to go to the breath house and do some breath work. None of that matters if you are putting poison in your body. Mm. unfortunately and i can i'm being a hypocrite now because I, I i do partake in that i was a i was an addict for years um but the reason why people do it and this is my personal thought is the reason why people drink and excessively do drugs is because they're trying to numb a feeling that they don't like about themselves and they're trying to cover up addressing the real problem that's that's at hand and the only way that you can do that is you by challenging your nervous system your brain and doing the internal work instead of just getting a bag on the weekend, making yourself feel good for about nine minutes, because that's all Coke does. Makes you feel good for nine minutes, then you're chasing the high for the rest of the time. Then you excessively drink, numbing the pain. You might find um, a bit of dopamine in having a one night stand with someone to make yourself feel better. But how shit do you feel after that? Like, as much as men say, oh yeah, banged a bird last night, we don't feel as good as what we say. Mm. You actually feel quite alone. And men might think, oh, no, I don't feel like that. You do. You just don't want to admit that. No one likes going out and having 
random sex with random people that they're never going to see again because it takes a, a part of your soul away. Mm. Like I've never met a person who slept with over 100 people that feels good about that mm. unless they're trying to hide something about themselves. So I think that if you want to become something in particular that is positive, you need to remove these types of distractions and and poisons from your life. Like I, for some, I'm, at the moment, I'm struggling with vaping. Like it's probably the biggest thing that's pissing me off at the moment because I can't stop and I'm kind of addicted to it. But the moment that I stop, like I throw it away, four, three, four, three, four days later, I feel great. Mm. I feel fantastic. The poison's out of my body. I can move on with my time. But then something stressful happens or something challenges my nervous system and I'm just like, oh, I don't like this. What's the first thing I do? I go and get a vape. And it's the same thing for drugs. It's the same thing for drink. It's the same thing for sex, food, whatever you like. If you can't handle your stress and cortisol levels going all over the place, you're going to go to things that aren't good for you. Mm. And I think that's what you need to make, people need to understand is that, yeah, I really want to eat this chocolate cake because I'm stressed, but maybe I should have this salad instead. And it's a diff- it's very ch- difficult because I do that as well. I eat pieces for fun oh my gosh i actually just had a flashback yeah. to when we had a really stressful meeting and i was like fuck this and went to get a brownie and you're yeah. like i'm getting a hot chocolate I'm getting <laughs> so like like i've got really bad patterns around stress and, yeah. and and loss like when i lose someone really dear to me it really hurts like it it, it takes a long time for me to get over somebody and that's what i'm dealing with at the moment mm. and all i do is i eat I vape. Sometimes I'll partake in drugs like the week before last I did and I felt horrific for days. So I'm not doing that anymore. So now it's about just kind of putting patterns in place where I don't make those mistakes. But again, we're humans. We're going to slip up. Of course. And sometimes as hard as it feels contrasting to to say, but sometimes the escape moment and then picking yourself up from that it brings you back into like, okay, I, I don't want to feel that bad. Mm. So I'm just going to stay away from that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, honestly, it's, especially when I've had such, like that night out I had a couple of weeks ago, I needed that so badly. Mm. Like, honestly, I've gone through such a horrible three month period over the last three months. I lost my job. I lost my girlfriend. I lost everything that was kind of keeping me here really. And I mm. felt like I had nothing left. So those periods where you do need to have a blowout, go and do it. Mm. Like, if it makes you feel a little bit better, great. But then you have to be prepared for the aftermath mm. because you're damaging yourself. Mm. And then people who think, oh, I only do a bag every so often, it is a bit of an addiction if you think mm. about it because if you're having a couple of drinks and your mate looks at you and goes, should we get a bag? It's a bit of a, a process that you've created mm. and you might not think... It's an addiction, but it is. It's the association. It's the association with it. Hi, yeah. Exactly. So, look, I don't want to be judgmental to everyone, sorry. Um, But I just, I think that people need to wake up a little bit Mm. and think that, that, that what they do at the weekend doesn't damage them long term. Mm. Yeah. Did you, just thinking about the fact that you just said, like, people need to wake up, what was your wake up moment? Um, What, as in right now, or... um, did you ever see something where you were like, oh, I didn't think of that that way? Do you know what it was? I read a book called Attached or Attachment. I've read that. Yeah, it's yeah. bloody brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I just broke up with an ex-girlfriend and I was leaning on friends who were a bit woo-woo. And I said, look, I really just want to learn a bit more about myself. And she recommended this book, Attached. And as I read it, I was like, oh, this sounds like me. But then I was reading another page. I was like, actually, this sounds like me. And there were so many different attachment styles that sounded like me. And then you go to the back page and it's like, if you feel like you're all of these, you're this one. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've got elements of all these different attachment styles, mm. but this is how is this is how I should be behaving and working through it. So that was the real aha moment. Mm. I know why I behave like the way I do in certain relationships. Okay, now I need to go to therapy to look into it a bit more. So that's what I did. I need to focus on regulating my nervous system. So I started jumping in the sea. I started training every day. I started running. I started journaling. And I really began to make a lot of progress. But the moment that ended, or the moment that I had a speed bump, I went out and had a drink. 
and it's it is might just be the one couple of drinks like it's such a big speed bump mm-hmm. because you lose all um enthusiasm to do anything the next day when you're hungover mm. and then it usually kind of you get that anxiety for the next couple of days from alcohol and if you've done drugs as well um but that wouldn't have happened if i wasn't being with the people that do that mm. like i've got a couple of friends who just don't do it at all and they actually have told me if i keep doing it they're not going to be my friend anymore wow that was an aha moment for me as well because wow. my friend said that to me he's like look if you carry on doing that mate i'm not gonna you can get lost I value him more than the situation that I'm in with somebody else at this time. Mm. And that was a real kind of like, well, I don't want to lose him Mm. because he's changed my life for the better. He's made me become who I want to be. And if I didn't have him, I don't know what I'd do. Mm. So I I made the decision of being like, right, well, this doesn't happen anymore. Mm. And that, and that again, would be probably my aha moment, I yeah. guess. Wow. Mm. That was powerful. Mm. That was really good. Bit soppy this one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> do you um, feel self-judgment when you go out and drink? I do a bit, but at the same time, it, it's, it's difficult because I'm very self-aware mm. and I think it's just part of my ADHD. You can, you can tell what's going on throughout the whole room I, I can hear conversations even in like if i'm talking to you and this room wasn't soundproofed i could probably hear what's going out on the street like mm. it, my senses are really heightened the only person i really judge is myself in that that time but i'm very good at going right enough we're going home like as soon as i yawn i'm going home but if i'm out with a person that doesn't want to leave and that i love that person and i want to protect them I will push through that mm. just so I know they don't do anything stupid. Mm. Um, so the judgment will come from myself for not having stronger boundaries. I think that's what it is, that I don't stick to my own boundaries. But then also judgment towards those other people where I'm just like, what are you trying to achieve by staying out till seven in the morning? Like, mm. what does that do for you? Mm. Nothing. It just numbs how you feel about yourself. It hides the pain that you're feeling. So yeah, I think judgment on both sides, really, mm. which is, I don't like to be judgmental, but sometimes people need to wake up a little bit mm. and realise that you're making mistakes, mm. but we're human at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. <laughs> you're making mistakes, but it's okay, I don't judge you because I'm human, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also judging you. But I'm also you judging you. Because <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Very confusing, man. <laughs> I like how you look at the camera when you say that, you're yeah. like, I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to get the crowd involved, the crowd interaction. <laughs> Welcome, listeners. Join us. Sorry, doing a bit of ASMR. Um, I'm definitely going to use that (laughs) content. Um, Are you in the space to talk about, and you can say no, because Mm. I know that you're going through a lot at the moment. Um, In your survey, you said a life-changing moment for you was when you decided not to go through with Ending everything. Mm. Are you in this space to talk about that, or would you yeah, rather? Yeah, of course. Um, look, I might cry because it's okay. a very. Um, yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. I think for someone, what kind of really helped me through that was hearing other people's stories. So okay. to tell mine, I think if someone was to able to hear it and would stop them doing it, mm. then that would be a win. Mm. So I think, as I said, I'm, I'm an oversharer. I love to talk, tell my story because. I've had a very weird life. It's been very difficult. And I think I could easily write a book about all the things that have happened. And to still be here would be a miracle. Um, But I moved to London when I was in my early 20s. um, Just because a friend was living there and it looked like the greatest life that he was ever having. Because I come from a small town where nothing's really going on. And it's boring. And it's like because of just that typical sort of suburban life where you get married at 30, you have a house and a couple of kids before you're 40 and then you repeat the cycle. I never wanted that for myself. I wanted to explore, I wanted to travel, but I'd never really had the money to do that. So I moved to London, made a load of money, spent a lot of money. I just burped. (laughs) (laughs) Getting really deep and I just burped. (laughs) I love it. Um, And... 
um, I, instead of prioritising the money that I made it towards positive things, I went down a path that was very self-destructive because I was such a fragile human at that time. I'd had a lot of trauma that was unresolved. I didn't really know who to go to then. Um, I was a bit against seeing a therapist and stuff like that because I thought I was fine. And to bring it back to the, you you are your friendship group, I started hanging around with drug users who were getting high every single day. They were drinking every single day. And I felt I would look strange if I didn't do that because some of them were my housemates um, at the time or some of them were at the time the only friends that I had in London. And I, was, I felt lonely and I felt if I didn't do this, I'm not going to have any friends. So I pushed myself into situations which destroyed me. Like I had anxiety all the time. I started having panic attacks at work. I gave myself bulimia. Like it was the that was the most difficult time in my life because I it got so bad that I created such a bad financial situation for myself that I didn't think I'd ever get out of it. Like imagine a student loan, but with banking um, interest on it. All right, so with a student loan, obviously you get pretty decent rates this is like 25 percent on top of what i was paying now imagine sixty thousand dollars with a 25 percent payback every single month it was crippling um and the only way that i got through that is i started selling drugs i to to kind of pay on top of my salary because i couldn't live i couldn't eat i couldn't pay for my drug habit i couldn't drink and so i was being resourceful i was been a drug dealer i was trying to do well with commission at work but all my money just went straight into my credit cards that i'd been paying off each other to get to that point but it got to a point where i ran out of options for credit cards so i had this sixty thousand dollar debt sitting there which was going to be about a hundred by the end of the year um and i didn't want to ask for help because i hate i hate doing that it's i don't know i think it's just because i'm so proud of myself also so proud that i can't do it and it's ego controlling that too um, so lo and behold, I think it was a Saturday night, no Friday night. Um, and my friends had all gone out and I couldn't afford, afford to go out that night. So I just had no money. Um, cause I had a big bill coming in the next day, got really drunk. I think I was drinking Jack Daniels straight out of the bottle. Um, and I lived in a place called Clapham in London near Clapham junction. Um, the main sort of train area and they have fast trains coming through all the time. And I lived right next to a bridge. <clears throat> um, so I smoked a, a joint and I was just beside myself. I was crying a lot. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. So I remember the fast train always would come through every hour or so and I would always hear the, the train siren and I heard the train siren probably about five minutes away at this point and my house was right next door to this bridge so I walked out onto the street Jack Daniels and I got a spliff in my hand and I'm like stumbling all over the place I can't stand up and I look out into the city there's the fast train it's about two minutes away at this point. So I get up on top of the, the bridge. And uh, I go to jump off. And I'm like holding onto the railings behind me. And as I'm about to... Like they say, your life flashes before your eyes in those situations, and it really did. And all I could think of was pain. But then there was one situation where uh, my nephew popped into my head, and he's got autism, and I love him so much. And for some reason, like there was, it was, it was like within thirty seconds a whole conversation played out in my head between him and I, where he was asking my sister, where's Uncle Ross? And that's what pulled me back off. Because if I didn't have the mirror, I would have just dropped to my death. 
because I'd had a, I didn't think that I could get through what was coming. Um, so yeah, that was oh, 2016, maybe or 17 potentially. Um, and then after that, I very next day I was just googling therapists and stuff like that and speaking to people who've gone through therapy and they recommended someone I went and saw her she was like I know you think you're depressed but I think you have ADHD as well so we need to kind of look into that too so then at 27 I was diagnosed with ADHD because although you get like loads of benefits of um ADHD you get a lot of negatives um, which can be like crippling depression um, and loads of other stuff. But that was the one that was affecting me most. Um, so then from that point, I started seeing someone professionally. I knew what my diagnosis was. I tried some medication, didn't really work. Um, it made me quite docile um, and more anxious, if anything. I felt like I was doing coke, to be honest. Um, so kind of good. <laughs> sorry what's that sorry (laughs) like throw it off yeah (laughs) and so then i started i I met a group of friends who although loved partying and doing drugs and stuff like that they were a much better friendship circle than the one i was in Mm. um it was it was instead of every single day it was maybe at the weekend so then Mm. i had more money to put Mm. towards into my my debts and then lo and behold i was like actually if i just stop doing this altogether. I can pay all my money off. I can actually have a lot of cash here. Um, so it didn't really start to make a dent in the debt I had until I got to Australia um, with those lovely tax breaks that you get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I ended up spending a year, no, two years of lockdown just paying off all my debt and complete debt free now, which is fantastic. Yes. That's a weight lifted off my shoulders. But um, it took me getting away from London Mm. to create the person I wanted to be. Because Mm. if I'd stayed there or stayed in the town I was in, those people would always bring you back to that person you're going to be. And that's why I think that a lot of people struggle to become who they want to be because Mm. they have these friendship groups that are like, let's go get a bag at the weekend or let's go to the pub or or, say you're driving past the pub, you see him, you drop in. You, you, you're back to, to square one. So I think to make a real drastic change, you need to make really drastic decisions. Mm. And mine was coming here. And it's really been great for me. Obviously, there's been periods of sadness of and, 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 de- and depressive states. Yeah. But I'm much happier than I would be anywhere else. What would you say to Ross at 11 o'clock that night? What would you say from where you are now? What would you say to him? I would say that think about who you're going to hurt when you do this, because the only person I was thinking of about at the time was my nephew. But if I look at it from a perspective of being here, I think of the friends that you've made, think of everybody around you that loves you. Because at the time when you're in that, when you're, when you're so upset like that, you think nobody loves you. Mm. You think nobody wants to be there for you. And it's a hard realization to go through. Because that's what you believe. But at the time, I didn't really have anyone reaching out to me. So I felt alone. But I feel that if somebody here, like I could look at my phone and I've got like five or six friends that have messaged me. And that's all I ever wanted to feel loved and to feel appreciated. And I think if I was to speak to him now, I'd say, look, look at who you're going to leave behind. Look at the damage you're going to cause. Because you could put someone in that position as well by making that decision. And I'd tell him that everything's fine. Mm. Everything's going to be fine. Mm. Because it will be eventually. Yeah. Time is the biggest healer. It really is. So right now, I just need a bit of time. Of course. Mm. And I think as well, like the glimpse of hope, if you felt good before. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a conversation to realise you can feel good. Yeah, you know, um, I think that I've been in states as well where I had someone reach out to me to say like, <laughs> no, I'm 
Yeah, you're going to set you off now as well. God, I haven't. I've had other people make me cry, but I haven't cried from my own <laughs> memory pop it's good. up. We're uh, getting it all out. I <laughs> feel like it's good, it's good to cry, though. It's yeah, good. Like, I don't releases. like people that judge you for crying. I think Fully. you've got something wrong with you. Yeah. And I feel like there's a stigma at the moment about like men specifically that if you cry in front of your partner, she will devalue you. That's fine, but that's not the right partner mm. for you. You mm. move on. You go mm. find someone else. But mm. as you were saying, I interrupted you there. No, that's okay. I was um, making decisions out of like this self-sabotage where I didn't mm. believe that anyone loved me. So I was yeah. like, I would go and do things on my own in a really bad state being yeah. like, this is proving that no one loves me. Yeah. And I had someone reach out and they said to me, like, I see you mm. and I am here for you. And I just remember saying, I'm sorry, I'm a burden. Mm. Like, I'm sorry that I'm burdening you with my presence. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, you're not burdening me. You'll never burden me. And like that within itself. And like, that's how powerful a conversation can be because Mm. it can change your perspective as to realizing that it's, you do believe that no one loves you, but Mm. people do. And it's that change of perspective in one conversation. Mm. 100% 100% I think um, so whenever someone asks me now how are you I I now say do you want me to lie or do you want me to burden you with the truth because we walk around as human beings pretending that we're all right we're not there's not many people in this world that are completely sound of mind and I, I, I just wish people would communicate better I wish that my previous relationship we would have communicated better because we probably would have had a chance. And I think that's what makes the world go round, dropping your ego and just communicating because you'd be so much better off doing that. Because when you cry, it's a release and it's like you're, you're regulating your emotions. And I don't think you should feel bad for doing that. Like this podcast is going to go out and people seem to cry. I couldn't give a fuck. Mm. It's because that's who I am. And Mm. if that, if you don't like that, I don't care. Mm. Um, and I think I wish more people were brave enough to do that as well Mm. I think that I mean I know the people in my life it's never a question it's never you know I just don't entertain anyone that isn't aligned to those beliefs and I know that the people that listen to this podcast specifically are very aligned to you know self-empowerment and Mm. self-acceptance and the journey of understanding yourself so um i never fear people hearing me cry in this context but Mm. i think you know there's there's something to say about looking at the people in in your life and in your circle who you know maybe don't know how to have those conversations and how to deal with that emotion and like maybe it's not not the right the right people and Mm. just assessing that as well is is an important component. Did you? Put your tongue out the camera. <laughs> Fantastic. Amazing. I feel great. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel really I good. I feel really good. <laughs> I feel really good. I've slagged a lot of people off on it, but it's fine. <laughs> is there anything that you want to talk about? Is there anything that you feel drawn to discussing, um, whether it's banging singers, mental health, people? I think... Something that has obviously been plaguing me at the moment is my job. Mm. Um, And the reason for that is it keeps me here in Australia. Mm. And if, unfortunately I was made redundant a couple of months ago, but fairly I was sacked. And that was really my only route left to get in permanent residency here. Um, So a lot of my mental state has been geared towards well if I have to leave because my visa ends in August next year so if I have to leave in August next year I am terrified of what I will become if I have to go back home because the reason why I came here was to get away from that and to be plunged back into the depths of hell from being in such a beautiful place and feeling at home here I think it may break me and that's what I think I've been trying to deal with at the moment is Mm. knowing that I may have to go home. And then at the same time, I broke up with someone that I adored. And then 
with obviously my injury as well, put me back in that same headspace that I was in in London. Like I woke up every morning wanting to die. Um, so I think what I want to say is that if you are someone that feels like this, talk to someone. There, I there's been periods where I've sat at home and didn't want to feel like a burden. I didn't want to text someone because I was upset. But you feel so much better when you just text someone or you call someone. Like yesterday, I had a conversation that didn't really go how I thought it was going to go. So I needed to talk to someone about it. So I spoke to a couple of close friends, cried for a little bit, but then I had a sense of relief that, do you know what, I now have that sort of closure that I needed. And the only way I would have felt that is if I spoke to someone and un- and kind of understood the conversation and got their perspective. So I think the biggest advice I would give to anybody, especially men, is fucking talk to someone. Like, regardless of who it is, cry in, some- in front of someone. If you don't feel comfortable crying in front of your partner, cry in front of your best friend. I do it all the time. It's bloody brilliant. Um, but you have to be able to have this release because if you don't it really affects you mentally and physically in the long run because if you are conditioned to hold all your feelings in not cry you are going to be a very hard person to love you really are i think more people need to be um, open to therapy and understanding their attachment styles and and trauma and trauma because if you don't get a handle on those they will ruin your life. They will stop you making deep connections with people. They'll stop you being in love. Like a lot of people get into relationships with people they don't actually want to be with, but they do it because it feels safe and they're settling. If you can turn up to a new relationship and you've addressed your trauma, you, you understand who you are as a person, you're open emotionally and spiritually, and you've done the work to make yourself be that person you want to be, you will have the best love life of your life. Mm. But if you meet someone, if you are like that and you meet someone who's not, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be painful. They're going to reject you and you're going to try and chase them around the the clock to try and bring them back. It's not worth your time because all it's going to bring is pain. So focus on yourself. Do the work you need to do to build yourself back up. Someone will come into your life that is ready for you. And when they are, magic. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. it's the best thing that people can do is to understand themselves, be able to understand where triggers come from, mm. show up in a way that's able to communicate and t- be responsible for your own emotional state and mm. not have to have another person heal anything for you because you, yeah. can, you can handle that yourself and then you can show up to be the best together rather mm. than go against one another. Yeah. And it's like you might have a problem, but instead of going at each other, you just face what the problem is and you both are able to. And, yeah, I mean. It's like there's there's things been brought up that are seen as, as issues and hesitations, but mm. these things are easily worked through together. Mm. But when one person doesn't want to do that, you can't lead a, a, a horse to war and, and let them drink. Like mm. it's, They have to come on their own. And that just speaks volumes about that person that they may not see you mm. as their person or they've not dealt with their trauma to understand how to move through that. Mm. Um, and you can't, you can't hold that against them because mm. that's who they are. But people come into our lives, we have something special and you need to remember that. God, I'm fucking crying a lot, and I. <laughs> no, not at all. It's literally been at the most. I think it's just because it's so it's relevant. Raw. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of pain still there. Of course, I think that the thing is, is you're doing this for you, and mm. you're doing it for what your future will be, and that is, even though there's pain now, but just know that like you're doing it for you and for your future and what that will bring, mm. and then, you know, the pain and the healing. I think it's a privilege to go through that because a lot of people stay because it's safe and Mm. it's what they know. But to be able to heal and see what's on the other side 
I think that it's really beautiful, mm. even though it's painful. Yeah, I think a lo- you've got to be very brave to make that decision as mm. well. If something's not good for you and you've got the bravery to walk away from that, that's growth. Mm. But what you need to do with that as well is take what you've learned from that relationship and apply it into the next one. Mm. Because there's been times before I started doing all this stuff, I would find myself in the same type of relationship mm. constantly, the same mm. type of dynamic. I was like, why is this happening? Like, what, what, what am I doing wrong? And then I obviously learned about it a little bit more. I was like, oh, fuck. Mm. It's because I'm doing this. So I eradicated that from my life. Mm. But slowly and surely in my previous relationship, I started doing those things again. So it's no wonder we're in that position that we're in. Mm. But I think you lose yourself in love. Yeah. It makes you someone more willing to drop your boundaries. And yeah. Uh, it happens yeah but yeah unfortunately if you want the relationship that you want to have you need to set strong boundaries Mm. and if that person can't adhere to them they're not worth your time Mm. um and vice versa if you can't stand if you can't stand up to someone else's boundaries you don't deserve them either Mm. um but yeah i just wish more people were not so stubborn (laughs) i wish more people were willing to do the work that's like my number one but do you know oh, that's that <laughs> But do you know why that is? It's because sex and love is so accessible. Yeah. Like with dating apps and just like so much more social activity in the world, mm. you can find someone new the next day. Mm. It's like people seem to think like and this is what really frustrates me about people. I'll be fine, there'll be someone else. There will be, but don't have that attitude towards it. Mm. Like if you want to make something work with someone try and work at it because mm. you'll be amazed at how magical that actually is when you build a life with someone through the the foundations going through all the trauma and, and stress how rewarding will that be when you make it like that's so much more rewarding than saying oh I fucked her off because she did this mm. and now you sleep with someone else like that to me is soul destroying yeah absolutely. and I couldn't do that I couldn't after this, go and jump into someone else's bed. Like, that's just not who I am as a person, mm. and I would never do that. I much rather like to look inward and work on myself. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I just, I think that it's just too accessible, and people seem to think that everything's like the grass is greener, mm. sort of thing. And it's all at the fingertips. Yeah. And I, I think in my single journey, I never talk about my dating life ever <laughs> so this is <laughs> it's just like i when i i went through like six months of healing and yeah. then i was like fuck it like i just don't care like yeah. i just was like i'd done this healing work and then i just felt like no one else was doing it mm. and so i got really angry and i was like whatever yeah of course and, and like only this year am i actually being like selective about who i spend my time with being like this is what i want and then i think that eventually like the universe kind of does its thing and it puts it puts people and things out mm. there but i think that the the mainstream attitude is like there's so many fish in the sea like there's millions of people in the world like da, 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 and it mm. just like that doesn't serve that no. doesn't serve anyone that, no. that process and i think if if that's your attitude towards life there's some unaddressed trauma there yeah what you need is your friends to be around you mm. to support you and help you through this emotionally Yes, eventually you're going to meet someone else and you're going to sleep with them. Yes, mm-hmm. fine. But that shouldn't be your instant go-to to make yourself feel better. I feel really sorry for people like that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because mm-hmm. it just goes to show that there's so much trauma there. Yeah. Um, that you feel... Because I'm into like pair bonding and all that stuff as well. Like I mm-hmm. feel like people who really sleep around a lot struggle to really make a connection. Mm-hmm. And that's that goes for men, that goes for women, everybody. Because mm. um, I've got a friend who's a bit of a Lothario. <laughs> sleeps with a lot of people. Been single a very long time. And that's not because he chooses to be. He can't maintain a relationship. And it's purely because of the fact that he can't connect. Mm. But then two weeks later, he's with someone else. Three weeks later, he's someone else. Five, six weeks later, someone else. Or he'll have multiple people at a time. And I just, although, yeah, it's cool, it's fun, and like, yeah, you've got having sex and being exploring your body and stuff like that. I don't think people really understand the damage it causes. Mm. 
And so true. So, look, all to you, if that's what you want to do, fine. But that won't be me. Mm. And I will never do that because mm. it's just, it doesn't serve me at all. Don't get me wrong, I've, I've, I've had that period. I think everyone... Everyone has, has their little slut face. Everyone does. <laughs> but how good did you feel after it? Guarantee you didn't feel great. No, it set me on another whole healing journey. Exactly. <laughs> and I think I think people think, like, at the time it feels fantastic. You're having yeah. orgasms, you're, you're euphoric, yeah. and yeah. It's, it's good fun. Yeah. But how do you feel afterwards? Like, it's like the, the loneliness afterwards is so exactly. real. Like, say, for example, you've had a one-night stand with someone, you really like them. They call it post-nut clarity in the boys' world. Mm. And you don't hear from that person mm. for like three, four days. How shit do you feel? Mm. You feel awful. What do you go and do? You sleep with someone else. Mm. And then you repeat the, repeat the cycle. I just, I just wish people would not put so much onus on getting gratification from other people. Other pe- yeah, 100%. And I've been guilty of that for, for this last relationship. Don't get me wrong. Like I've, I've valued someone else's opinion above my own. Mm. Um, so look, I'm not... But it's bringing you back to yourself. Exactly, and it is. It's I know bringing that... me back to my values. Sorry. Yeah. It's bringing me back to my values. Yeah. And um, my boundaries. Yeah. And I, I think I think maybe that's what this relationship was about. Yeah. It was realigning mm. myself. And like even having that clarity now, whilst it's so raw, mm. is strength. Like that is strength. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. <laughs> it <laughs> <But> is. It, <laughs> yeah. It's healing. We're healing. Um, we are. We are. We are. Um, yeah. I am going to give you a compliment and I hate receiving compliments no, Give it to myself. me. Give it to me. Give me some gratification. <laughs> I, I know that you've been through a lot. I don't know the depths, deepest, darkest, but obviously from this conversation, um, you show up at work every day and you literally just have a smile on your face. You're kind to people. And you're doing things that are good for you. And like, just know that that is already leaps ahead of where you could be. Just like, just remember that because mm. right now in this period, I know, you know, there might be a lot going on, but just that's how from someone who doesn't really know you very well, you're coming across and what you're doing. And that's amazing. Thank you. You're Appreciate welcome. that. Um, it's, it's weird that you say that because as soon as you said that, I thought of, this meme that I saw like, um, just about famous people that have committed suicide and mm. what depression looks like. And they're all smiling. And when you said that I come into work and I'm happy, I'm smiling, I'm kind. That's re- me really trying to put on this facade that I'm okay. And I think that's why it's important to ask people if they are. Mm. and genuinely be curious about it. Because if someone was actually to sit there and ask me, Ross, are you actually okay today? I'd probably burst into tears if I'm going to be completely honest. So that's probably one thing I'd take from that is that Mm. please ask and genuinely ask if you care about that person. Yeah. Ask ask the question. Yeah. Mm. And be there for the response. Uh, only ask it if you're only there for ask the if response. you're ready. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, piss off. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. always been a bit like therapy, which is great. Great. <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you do like it, please support it in giving it a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, all the things, notifications on, and it will help me massively.